Thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and additional resources, we invite you to check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 17. Romans chapter 6, verse 17. I want to tell you I love all of you tonight. I'm so thankful for you. Thankful for your lives. Thankful to have you here as a part of this. I love that passage of Scripture that talks about what Pastor Brandon was talking about. He was talking about, you know, when kings were anointed. There is a commentary on that in Psalm 133. And it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that was poured upon Aaron's head and Aaron's beard. It ran down to his garments and even to the skirts of his garments. That means he just, he just soaked them just like Pastor Brandon described. It's kind of interesting how that puts it. How, how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil of anointing. Unity. Did you notice in Acts chapter 2 it says, They were all gathered together in one place and in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound of anointing. There came a sound of, from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and, and it sat upon each of them, and, and, they, and, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. They appeared to them cloven tongues of fire, and it sat upon each of them. So, so the anointing for the believer came originally because they were in unity. They were in unity. And when the house of faith is in unity, the anointing is strong. It flows. When we're in unity, there's a strong power that is unleashed to help people get well, help people grow, help people get over their sicknesses and diseases, and to, get, and to inherit their promises. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. I love it. Just being here in unity with other believers is a powerful thought. Verse 17, we're in, John, uh, we're in Romans, rather, not John. Romans 17, ver, uh, uh, verse 6, rather. What am I saying? Romans chapter 6 and verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. You know, he's not saying that, he, that we should thank God about being servants of sin. The, the thankful part there goes with the were part. God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart. The word there should have been translated probably listened from the heart. Mm-hmm. That's a really astonishing thing. I didn't slow it down to do a word study there because I've got others I want to do tonight. Obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Nearly every time in the King James Version of the Bible, that particular Greek word there, uh, 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 translated obeyed, really means to listen. Wow, that's different, isn't it? To listen. Because if you listen from the heart, obedience is the obvious outcome to it. You don't have to tell somebody to obey. If you can just get them to listen with their hearts, they will obey. Is this right? I mean, you, you, pa- pastor can't chase you around with a stick. Stand out on your front porch, just make sure you're doing right. Right? No. But, but if I can preach it in a way where you will hear it in your heart, I can trust that when you leave this place, you're going to live for God. Amen. That is super good, isn't it? Because, you know, I am the pastor, 
But I'm not, I'm not the great pastor. I'm not the great shepherd. The great shepherd is the one who shepherds us all the time. Amen, amen, amen. All right. So he said, you obeyed from the heart. That form of doctrine which was delivered you. So we've got to deliver the doctrine. And I want you to notice what, it, what this is really saying. That righteousness is a matter of the heart. Because faith is a matter of the heart. You obeyed from the heart. You heard from the heart. So your righteousness comes from your heart. Because faith is a matter of the heart. Did you know that righteousness is not based on how you perform? And every Christian in this room ought to say, thank God for that. Because if your performance depended upon it, there'd be a whole bunch of people going straight to hell. Now, I'm just telling it like it is. I ain't pointing out any particular body, anybody with a blue striped shirt on back there, Tim. I ain't pointing out anybody. <laughs> hmm? Righteousness is a matter of the heart because faith is a matter of the heart. And that's where it takes place. Faith. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, we'll be talking about this in subsequent teachings because it comes from Romans chapter 10. Hi, Miss Nancy. Come right on. Come up here and sit by Miss Ann. You walk right up here. You're a celebrity in this house. Glory to God. Y'all give her a big hand. We love Miss Nancy. Praise God. Now, I brought you up here, and I expect you to laugh at all my jokes. Okay. Praise God. It's a matter of the heart. The reason righteousness takes place in the heart first, it works its way out. But the reason it takes place in, the, in our hearts because that's where faith takes place. Are you hearing me? That's where faith takes place. Faith takes place on the inside. You believe it on the inside. Amen. Amen. Then you start with the, the mountain. I mean, then you get, it, you know, get the potential for the mountain moving later down the road. But I want to I make sure we cover this ground really thoroughly for everybody here. Most of you have heard this. Many of you have heard this. If you heard me teach through the book of Romans, you've heard this. But I want you to take your Bible and, and let's just study Acts chapter 10 for a little while in, in accordance with this passage in Romans. Acts chapter 10. I'm going to have to back up and tell you. I like to touch, I like to touch home plate every now and then. How many of you have ever played baseball? Huh? Did, did you get bored running around those bases? No, you don't get bored running around those bases because every time you run around those bases, you're scoring. Amen. Glory be to God. If you, get, if you get bored with scoring, it's not something wrong with your head. Huh? So we keep, we keep chasing these doctrines around and around and around. And you may not know. You may not be looking up at the scoreboard, but you're scoring as long as you got to keep touching home plate. And the home plate here in the New Testament is righteousness by faith. That's where you're going to score if everything's tied to that. Everything tied to that. Woo, glory. I said everything tied to that. You see, there are several centerpieces for great moves of God. And you'll find out that Genesis 15, 6 is the centerpiece of all of Pauline doctrine. All that Paul taught, everything, all those spokes in the wheel of his message and his ministry go back to one hub. And that hub is Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That faith in Abraham's heart made him a righteous man. The Bible didn't say he did anything righteous. It said he was made righteous the moment he believed God. Come on. Somebody ought to say amen. Didn't say, God didn't say you got to get out there and act right, do right, live right, be right. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to make you right. 
I'm going to make you right. If you'll believe me, I'll take care of making you right. Because you can't make yourself right enough to please a holy God like our God. You can make yourself right enough to please those, those, those stupid gods. But you, you can't make yourself right enough to please the God of glory, the God of heaven, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's just too holy for you to somehow make your way. Ooh, that's good preaching. I don't know if you. Hmm? But he'll make you right if you'll just believe him for it. It's an imputed gift of his grace. So there are a few things we've got to keep talking about. And, and if that's the centerpiece of Pauline doctrine, I wonder what the centerpiece of, of Western civilization is. I'll tell you what it is. The, the, the centerpiece of the Reformation was a revelation that Martin Luther got from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. You don't have to turn there. We've already talked about them. I've already told you this. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Come on, say everybody who believes. To, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness, verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. The centerpiece of the Reformation and therefore the centerpiece of Western civilization. Anybody here a part of Western civilization? Woo, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, glory to God. I don't know how you got on this continent. I don't know how you got into Western civilization. I don't even know. I, I, when, I, when I think back on the two sides of my history, and I have two, most of us have two or three or four or five sides of our, of our personal history. I have at least two sides. I have... I have the German side, and, and I have the American Indian side. And when I think about what people like the Germans did to the American Indians when they came here, I have some conflict on the inside. When I think about what Europeans did to American Indians when they came here, it kind of sometimes makes me mad. And I, th I, I don't like to let off on the Germans. It was generally people with English names that was doing all that bad stuff, like Jackson, Andrew Jackson. <laughs> okay. Okay, but, but when, I, when I think about it, but you know what? Then I come to this day. I come to this day, and I look at the life that God has given me here, and pretty soon all my anger goes away, all my feelings of disappointment, and all the, all the rough stuff that went on in my personal history, back in my lineage, back in my genealogy. I think, you know, not everything went right, but thanks be to God, I'm not chasing buffalo and cutting their chest open and eating their hearts raw. How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you have American Indian blood in you? Let me see your hands. Okay, see a bunch of you. So you're thankful you're not chasing buffalo tonight to try to live. Praise God. And I don't know about you, but I'm also thankful that it's not required of me to drink a half a gallon of beer from my German heritage. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not over there with a beer stein in each hand. I'm just thankful. Thankful that God has brought us this far. Amen. The Lord has brought us this far not been perfect, but we're here. Praise God. We're here by His grace. And Western civilization was built on this idea. The just shall live by faith that men are largely able to govern themselves if you can get faith in them. Wow. Wow. Men are largely, and they began to reduce the power of government and let people govern themselves. Wow. That's, that's what makes civil, Western civilization different from the rest of the world. In case you don't know, that's, I mean, it's, it's a lot more complex than that. But I'm telling you, in essence, that is it. That men in Western civilization, because of this faith message, we put a certain, we put a certain belief out there that men, uh, that, 
Y'all come on up here. We're going to make, make a room for two seats right here. Praise God. Come on in, Steve. That we believe that men with faith in their hearts are able to govern themselves. This is good news. This is good news. That's what sets, away, sets apart set Western civilization from the rest of the world. How many of you know that Western civilization has been responsible? Did you know that something like 90% of all inventions that changed the world were created by Christians? Get these stats from, from David Barton. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Christians. Black, white, brown. Doesn't matter the color. Most of the world's inventions were created by Christians. Isn't this amazing? It's just a beautiful thing. The inventions that changed the world, that is. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Acts chapter 10, verse 43. The Apostle Peter has been summoned to a Roman centurion's house. Now, Peter going to a Roman centurion's house to visit and to have a sociable visit would be something like me going to Washington, D.C. and rooting for the Redskins. Huh? Yeah, that was a most distasteful event for him. Mm -mm, mm -mm. But the angel said, you go there. You go there. Okay. Even G he had three visions, of the three independent visions, one right after the other, of a sheet coming down. And the Lord saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter, God bless his heart, was so stuck in a rut after all he had seen. He said, not so, Lord. Now, if there's ever been three words that don't go together in the same sentence. <laughs> right? You can't say not so, Lord. I mean, if it's Lord, it's yes, sir. Right? He gets there to Cornelius' house, though, in obedience to God. And, of course, he finds, you know, a pagan household. But they've all been praying, and especially Cornelius. He's been seeking God. He just got real with his own heart about the one true God. And I'm going to tell you something. Every pagan, every polytheist knows there's one true God. For them to say so and for, this, for, for, to, for them to say they don't know that, is a lie. Their heart tells them. Or the Bible's not true. The Bible says they're without excuse because they know. Every man knows. Form all these weird religions, but in their heart, they know. Don't forget, they did not come slithering up out of some primordial ooze. <laughs> man was not regenerating himself, creating himself. As Darwin surmised, man was created and he 
first man was created and his name was Adam and it was just a few thousand years ago, every man knows there's a God that created him. Don't buy into that nonsense that men don't know they're sinners. Good gravy. Could there be anything further from the truth? All sons of Adam, as C.S. Lewis put it, sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. Sons of Adam, daughters of Eve. How many of you saw the movie? I'm talking about the books, but you, I know. Usually when I say something about, have you read C.S. Lewis? No. I saw a line which, you know, what wrote movie, though? It really was good. Well, the books are better. Whole series, Chronicles of Narnia. You should read them. Awesome. And he has lots of books. Great Divorce, Mere Christianity, and Screw Tape Letters. I love all of those. You'd like them. How many of you read any of C.S. Lewis books? Yeah. Okay. You like him? He's a little strange, but... I like him. <laughs> he gets there, finally, and he's preaching the gospel to them. And he preaches this moment right here in verse 43. Who has it? We'll read it for me. Who would like to read Acts 10, 43? Who? Read it, Brother Tommy. Okay, through his name, this is Peter telling Cornelius, through his name that whoever believes on his name shall receive, uh, the prophets all give witness that whoever believes on his name shall receive remission of sins. We know that believing on his name is not about water baptism. We know that believing on his name is not about doing anything outside what happens in the heart. We know this because of what happened here. And this is not some ancillary moment in the writing of the, Bib of the Bible, the biblical text. This is a premier moment. The very first person to ever receive the Lord the way you did. Without doing anything concerning keeping the law. Without being circumcised. Without doing anything. He was a pagan, and Peter told him so. I'm not, do you know it's unlawful for me to be in your house? But God made me come. What he's saying is, if it hadn't been for that vision, <laughs> I would not be here. Why? Because he wasn't supposed to be there. It was unlawful for him to be there. He said so. I'm not supposed to be here. So he preaches the gospel to him. Again, I think this is just one of, those, one of those moments that just points up the fact that there really are just two kinds of people in the world. Jews and everybody else. Red and yellow, black and white. I don't know why they left out us brown and red folk. They did say red, didn't they? Okay, red and yellow. I don't know why they left out the brown folk. I'd be mad about that. We got over it? Did you get over it? Yeah. <laughs> We're all exactly alike. As far as the Jews are concerned, it's them and the rest of us. So to God, racial prejudice is about the stupidest thing that men ever came up with. Since we're all so closely related... 
Hallelujah. Praise God. And newsflash, just because you're conservative in your politics doesn't make you a racist. I don't care who says it does. It doesn't. And I keep thinking about this. Uh, I keep thinking about this moment, though. Here's this Peter. Stands here in this centurion's house. And says... Whoever believes on his name shall receive the remission of sins. And man, when he said whoever, whoever that day, he meant whoever. But he wasn't sure that it actually included Cornelius yet. That's why verse 44 had to happen. Because in Acts 2, let's turn to Acts 2 before we read verse 44. Acts chapter 2. And I'd like to read verse 37 there. Who, who has that? Frank, do you have it back there, my friend? 237. This is after Peter's been preaching and accusing them in the sermon of having killed Jesus, but that he rose again from the dead. And it says, after hearing that message... They were pricked in their heart and said, men and brethren, what must we do? And then Peter, Peter tells them what to do in verse 38. Read it, Frank, good and loud, please. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Do you notice what he said that the Jews had to do to be saved? Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. Okay? And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Go back to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Make that verse 43, not 1038. 1043. I want to read 43 one more time. Read it again, Tommy. To him are all the prophets witness that through his name, whomever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now let me ask you. Do you think Peter has changed his theology at this point? Doesn't he think they have to repent and be back? Don't you think that Peter still thinks that what happened in Acts chapter 2, what he said to them is what he's about to say to them? He mentions remission of sins. And when they say, well, then what do we do? He's about to tell them, repent, be baptized, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, three points. You've got to repent. Be water baptized in Jesus' name, and then you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What does verse 44 say? Frank, read it. Yikes. Can you see Peter chasing that train? H hang on. I missed two steps. Come, come, you, and you can't do this. You can't just run ahead of me in my sermon. I was going to give an altar call. I was going to tell them repent because they weren't getting the Holy Ghost until they repented. They're not getting the Holy Ghost until they get water baptized. Don't be messing with my plan. <laughs> Some churches build their whole doctrine on Acts 2.38. What a sad, stinking deal that is. 
And it's, a, it's for Jews only, apparently. You've got to read the whole Bible. You can't get stuck in one verse. <laughs> Goes on. Then we get to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. They have a great big discussion. I love the way it says it in verse 7. Who, who wants to read Acts 15, 7 for us? Acts 15, 7. Now, by the way, he did baptize Cornelius, but it was after the fact, which is how it belongs. After the fact. You get born again, you believe in your heart, righteousness comes to you, and then you go bury the old man. Glory be to God. You don't take him out and drown him anymore. He's got to be dead when you bury him. <laughs> is that too much to ask that the guy's dead before we bury him? I hope he's dead, glug, glug, glug. All right. Acts chapter, what did I say? 15, verse 7. Who wants to read it? I need another reader. Miss Ann's going to read it. Read it good and loud, sweetheart, like you're mad at your husband. And when? That's something like it. Stop right there. Now, now, when he says, when there had been much disputing, he's not talking about what happens at your family reunions. <laughs> he's talking about hardcore, traditional Jews mad about a change in their doctrine. Get an idea of what that might sound like. Huh? I mean, if you've ever seen a John Wayne movie when he was in Vietnam or something in the movie, it's something like that. It was loud. It was long. When it says much disputing, this was a place where you could get hurt just by standing in the corner of the room. Shrapnel flying. All right, read. Huh? Read on. Peter's telling this whole bunch. He finally quietened them down and started preaching to them. Read. Now, what was it they were supposed to do? They were supposed to hear the gospel by his mouth and believe. Okay? Back over there in verse 43, didn't he say, Whoever believes on his name shall receive the remission of sins? Okay, read. Back here. Bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Bore them witness how? What kind of witness was God making? What kind of witness was God making to these Gentile pagans? What witness was he making by giving them the Holy Ghost? Read on. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Oh, he didn't purify their hearts by repentance. Didn't purify their hearts by water baptism. He purified their hearts because they believed the message the moment they heard it. Can I have a better amen in this house of faith? Purified their hearts by what they believed about Jesus. Glory be to God. And it's Peter telling us this. This is why this is so significant. He's telling us exactly what happened. What he's really telling us is, you know, I thought I had it all down in Acts chapter 2. Apparently I didn't. He had to learn it as he went. You know, now it's no, it's no, it's no harm to you if you used to believe something strange. As long as you're willing to obey the Bible when you see it for yourself and hear the truth. Faith changes everything. Faith changes everything. Oh, and read on. 
Read, I want to read one more verse at least. So why do you tempt God? Verse 10. Whoa, 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 whoa. To put a yoke on the neck of the disciples is not hurting the disciples. It's tempting God. Read. Which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Neither our fathers nor we were even able to do to keep this law. It didn't say that they wouldn't. It just said they weren't able. Read. Now he's changed what he believed happened at Pentecost. He said, we, re- we believe, we Jews believe that we're going to be saved just like they were saved. It's really a matter of faith. It's really a matter of faith. Always has been, always will be. But it takes a while for us to get that message. That's why we have to keep preaching that message. Because it doesn't matter that you've heard the message of faith. If you, let, you, know, if you go long enough without hearing it, you'll slide back into your religious ways. And try to, try, try to make God happy. You know, try to keep him happy by how you jump through the hoops. And you lose your joy that way. You lose your joy that way. I recently heard about a woman who had been serving God her entire life, 90-something years old, living for God. Ser- served God her whole life. And she's afraid to die. She's afraid to die because she's not sure she's going to heaven. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? I'm not, I'm not picking on her. I'm just telling you, somebody put that nonsense in her head that she might or might. It's all going to be whether or not she's been good enough. Huh? Huh? That's the doctrine of Islam. That's not the doctrine of Paul. It's not the doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. He died for my sins. I can't die for them. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by keeping the law, Christ died for nothing. Verse 18. Back to Romans chapter 6. That's a good lesson there, isn't it? That's a, that's a good study. Teaches you how to talk to people about the Lord. The gospel works. Just give them the good news. Give them the good news. I said give them the good news. They'll know their response ought to be to give their life. Verse 18, being, made, being then made free from sin. How many of you are free from sin tonight? There you go. Did you raise your hand by faith? Or because you've been doing real good this week? Okay, I'm going to assume you raised your hand by faith. Praise God. (laughs) Being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Did you notice he didn't say you started doing good and were able to finally shake off the sin? Did you notice he didn't say it like that? You started living righteously and shook off the sin. No, 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 no. It says he freed you from sin. Can I have a better amen? Amen. It said he freed you from sin. And that's when you became a servant to righteousness. Glory be to God. You had an old slave master. And here came Jesus and bought you right out from under him. Made you free from that slavery of sin. And you became servants of righteousness. You did not become the servants of righteousness. And by that become free from sin. 
Jesus freed you from sin and empowered you to become servants of righteousness. Real quick, like John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1 and verse 12. We're studying the Bible tonight. Amen. Amen. Keep your thumb licked up real good. John chapter 1 and verse 12. What does it say? Brenda, do you have it there, dear? Please read it. Yeah, I like the way it says it. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, read it again. Amen. Amen. How did they receive him? By believing on him. You receive him by believing. Receive and believe. Amen. I mean, believe and receive. <laughs> You do, receive, you do receive everything from God by believing that thing about God. You believe salvation from God because you believe that He provided salvation for you. You believe for prosperity from God because you believe that through the death, burial, and, uh, uh, and resurrection of Christ Jesus that He provided prosperity for you. Amen. Amen. You get over on that thing. You start, you start living the way the Bible talks to us about living. I want you to read verse 14, Miss Brenda, if you would. And John 1, yes, please. Yeah. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Now, would you read on down there about verse 17, I think it is. Anybody here notice what side grace is on? <laughs> grace is on the side of truth. I mean, truth. What, what side of truth is on? It's on the side of grace. It's not on the side of the law. The truth is about the grace of God. It's not about the law. Truth works when grace is working. Truth doesn't work because you've memorized the Ten Commandments. And I think everybody ought to. I think everybody ought to. It's a really nice reminder and a great refresher uh, of joy to remember that you're not under it. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Verse, 19, uh, verse 19 in chapter 6. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. I'm going to do my best to get through this real quick. There is no striving here. It just says yielding. It didn't say strive. It said yield. Don't strive, yield. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit then did you have in those things whereof you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Did you know that there is no fruit? That is, death can produce nothing. Only that which is alive can produce. Only that which is alive can produce. Death produces nothing. Death produces nothing. He said, so what fruit did you have in that? Nothing. What did you get out of that? Nothing. There's no, there's no productivity in it whatsoever. In fact, it just kills whatever was working right in your life. Mm-hmm. Galatians chapter 5 has two lists. You don't have to turn there, but Galatians chapter 5 has two lists. It has the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. 
And did you notice how it names them? It didn't say the fruit of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. The Bible's written on purpose. <laughs> I mean, the words of the Bible are written on purpose. He didn't accidentally write it that way. He wrote it that way on purpose because the fruit, fruit unto God comes from the Spirit. But the works of the flesh, they produce nothing but work and labor. Yield, not strive. Yield, not strive, not work. Yield, because the work is of the flesh. I've done it both ways. I've just done it both ways. We used to go soul winning. And I'm not opposed to it. But I'm telling you, we used to go soul winning. Every Thursday morning. Every, no, it was, yeah, every Thursday morning, every Friday night, and every Saturday night. Out on the streets, soul winning. I've done more street preaching. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Miss Ann will tell you. Just get out there. I remember one time we went to this bar. I had my young people in my college group out there, and we were thinking, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll minister to people as they come and go in the bar. And lo and behold, the people all just come pouring out of the bar. Over 100 people just came pouring out of that bar and standing around out there in the parking lot with us. So we just preached to them. It was awesome. It was the easiest, best night we ever had. It was so wonderful. It took all the striving out of it. All we did was show up, and God got us a crowd. What we found out was that somebody had call, called in a bomb threat <laughs> to the bar. We happened to be there on the night the bomb threat got called in. We did discuss calling in our own bomb threats, but we decided that that probably wouldn't be a... <laughs> we didn't do it. But most of the time we had to strive, had to work. Oh, you know, we had to just, just to find somebody to hand a track to and talk to them about Jesus. It was, it was such a striving thing. Huh? But when God's doing it, wow, it's so easy. When God does it, it's just so easy. Are you hearing me? I mean, you can make up your mind you're going to go so winning, or you can make up your mind you're just going to wait on God, and He's going to bring you opportunities. Here's the key thing. If you're waiting on God to bring you opportunities to talk to people about Jesus, don't pray about those opportunities when they do arise. Seize the day. Carpe diem. <laughs> Seize the day. Lord, I'm just believing you. I'm going to walk in the Spirit today, and somebody's going to, there's going to be an opportunity for me to tell somebody about Jesus. There's going to be an opportunity. And then somebody comes up and says, uh, Do you go to church someplace? I say, Oh, Father, help me. Give me the right word. You're wasting time right there. There's a time to pray and there's a time to preach. You already prayed about it. Start talking. All right? Okay? You can have, you can have, you can have a peaceable, stress-free, striving-free life if you walk in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Stress-free, strife-free life if you walk in the Spirit. Now, what does verse 23 say? Did, did we read verse 22? No, we, we, read verse 22 and verse 23 for me. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness oh. and the end everlasting life. Your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. And verse 23 says, for the, 
Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You read that verse with some people, and they think the whole chapter is about sin. That whole chapter is not about sin at all. It's not about sin at all. We just, we just went through it line by line. It's not about sin at all. It's about righteousness. And the only mention of sin is to remind you that that's not your inheritance. That's not your lot. He, the sin is no longer your, in control of you. I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me to tell you tonight. The Holy Ghost spoke to me to tell you tonight that whatever habit, whatever sins, whatever thoughts keep coming back to you, there is a way out for you. I want to ask you to bow your heads just for a few moments. And let's just, let's just obey the Lord here. I know how the devil torments you, says the Lord. I've heard him speak. The Lord is saying, I've heard him speak. I know how he talks to you. I know the torments of your heart. The Lord is speaking. The Lord says, I know where you are, but I also know what is on the inside of you. I know what power dwells in you. It is my power, says the Lord. I have a power bigger than all the voices of all the demons. I have a power at work in you, says God. My power is at work in you. The power of my word, the power of my spirit. I will not get you free. I will not get you free by how you work. I have made you free. It is your place to believe in me. Your place to believe in what I have done. I've heard you weeping in the night, the Lord says. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, I have heard you weeping in the night. That brokenness, that sorrow that has hung on tonight is your night for freedom, says the Lord. Tonight is your night for freedom. Listen to me. I want everybody to just hold still. Hold still. I hear the Holy Ghost dealing with me, dealing with you. You sit there, just sit still. But right now, as I'm praying for you, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. And God is going to break things tonight for you. And you're going to know it. You're just going to know it. You're going to know it. He told me he's going to deliver people from this sin consciousness and the stress of being enslaved by habits and ugly things that are not their inheritance. He wants you free tonight. He wants you freer than you've ever been free. He made you free. In heaven, the records show you to be free. And the devil has somehow made you believe that you are not free and can't be free. But right now, I'm going to just start praying in the Holy Ghost. And you're going to know there's a moment. God told me, you're going to know there's a moment on the inside of you when the switch has been flipped. And when that happens, I want you to stand to your feet and rejoice like you've never rejoiced before. The moment you know it on the inside. Now rejoice. If you stand up, I want you to rejoice. Rebelolobo Kotalamaki. Hebribidi Bandupeke. Rebidi Mekatalaboso. 
Those sleepless nights are over. Those urges that you hate in the moment you believe it. That worry over your family is gone the moment you believe this and rejoice, rejoice, rejoice as the Holy Ghost is coming to you, as the Holy Ghost is showing Himself strong to you. Come on, rejoice. Come on, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice like you mean it. Rejoice like it was you. God's talking to us tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Stand upon your feet and rejoice a little while. Come on, come on. Stand upon your feet and rejoice. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy to be glorified. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Come on, if you pray in other tongues, speak in tongues right now. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Woo! He says, I tell you, this is, you've been in a phase. You've been in this level. In this level, you've removed yourself. You stepped down. He says, but I tell you, this phase is over. This level, you're stepping up. He says, you feel as though you have been removed by circumstances and situations. I tell you this day, that is no more. Woo! Glory. You have. Come on, it's okay. You have listened and you've obeyed your pastor. I will be faithful. I will be faithful. Yeah, amen. Come together in unity. And in this word, in unity. Amen. Build this fortress with yourself, with each other in unity. And watch what I can do. You have tasted, you have seen, you have proved me, he says. Hmm. Step out of gossip, contrite spirit, and listen to the spirit of the Lord thy God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Look and seek me in my word. I will show you. I will show you mm. and reveal yeah. myself. Mm. To you. My, my, my. Test me, try me, prove me, and I will show you. <laughs> <laughs> listen. 
Listen, we heard a word right there. I will be faithful. The Spirit of God saying to us, the Lord saying to us, I will be faithful. What ought to be your response? First of all, thank you. And then make your commitment. I'll be faithful to you. Come on, let's lift our hands. Come on, you just do that in your own words. Come on, make a commitment here tonight. So Lord, I thank you for being faithful to me. Thank you that you said it now. Now I'm committing to you. I'm committing to be faithful. Faithful. Faithful in this area. I can receive the, re the encouragement. I can receive a rebuke. And I thank you for that. I believe I receive everything you've promised us. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for these, your precious sheep, my Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 Now, I heard the Holy Ghost tell me before the service began that he wanted you all, all of us here in this room, to pray for one another. I want you to just find a few circles. Just find a few circles. Just turn. If it's just one or two people, I mean two or three people, I want you to just find somebody. Just find somebody to pray with. If it's two people, three people, four people, just find some circles and just pray. Just pray. doesn't have to be about anything. Just pray. Just pray for one another. The Bible teaches that we should pray for one another. Pray for one another. Just pray. Just pray for one another. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. And I exalt Thee. I exalt Thee. I Exalt Thee, O Lord, I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee. above all gods. 
Thou art exalted far above all gods. Let's sing with all our hearts, I exalt Thee. I exalt Thee. I exalt Thee. I exalt Thee. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Now, my Father, I want to say thank you tonight for your goodness to this congregation. Thank you, Lord, for these, your precious ones. Thank you for how you show yourself, our Father, so kindly and so sweetly in manifesting yourself here in our presence. And Holy Spirit, thank you for making deliverance ours tonight. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. I thank you that you blessed your people in their coming in. And now, Lord, I thank you that they are blessed in their going out. I thank you, Lord, that you made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first, not last, victors, no longer victims. Thank you, Father dear, that though their enemies come out at them in one direction, they'll just have to flee in seven because we are blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in our basket, blessed in the storehouse, and everything our hand touches prospers. Thank you, Father, that you cause the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as your people go forth with joy, building a better life. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. We would like to invite you to one of our services in McKinney, Garland, or Little Elm. And for information about service times and addresses, please check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. God bless you.